Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, my name is Mike. For those of you that I, I haven't met, um, I'm married to Julia, and she and I have the amazing privilege of um, being part of this church, firstly, and then uh, also being part of leading uh, this community with an amazing team that we just love and love serving serving with. She, Julia, is sick, unfortunately, today. I'm imagining that because you are present, you've either avoided the bug that is going around, or you brought it with you, which is say no more. Um, <laughs> Julia has unfortunately been down this week, but she, she um, stressed that I needed to send her love um, because she loves, loves being here. It's one of her favorite things in the week. So she sends her love and I'm sorry she can't be, can't be here this morning. But um, warm welcome to, to those of you uh, that uh, can be here, that are here. If you're from out of the city, out of town, visiting with family, stopping by, it's really good to have you with us. This is also one of those times in the year um, where family also drag people to church, um, or maybe they have even been dragged, but you have just been uh, brought because this is a good moment to come along, to be a part of a community, um, to be warm um, as well, is also part of the, the appeal. Um, so welcome, however you've got here, welcome um, this morning. It's really, really good um, to have you here. So as I've been walking around London recently, I've been hearing all the Christmas songs, and uh, I, I love Christmas songs. But in a recent quiz that we took, um, it was kind of a Christmas song quiz, I realized I really suck at identifying the names of Christmas songs. And I realized that coming from South Africa, which is where I come from, Christmas songs have mostly not made much sense. Um, <laughs> there's a small reason why um, that, that is the case. So I, I'm from South Africa. Christmas time songs are about snow, they're about dark, and they're about cold references. But uh, where I'm from, it's sandy, sunny, and 30 to 35 degrees Celsius. Um, every, every day, people surf at Christmas, they don't ski. So I, I, I really, the songs have never made sense. Honestly, the, the snow that falls, the, I, I've never got it. And then I moved um, here, and, and I would say I now get it. Um, I get the beauty of the songs, uh, the light and the dark themes that, that we touch on at Christmas um, that we touch on in church at this time makes so much more uh, sense, sense to me, especially as we approach Christmas and one of the darkest days of the year. They're almost combined. Uh, so 21st uh, of December is the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year. So as we're stringing up our lights, there's almost this, this contrast that is happening as we approach Christmas. The darkness increases, but we choose um, to gather around light, which is really powerful. So that's what we've been trying to do as a church uh, over this time, is, is think about what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world. As we head into darkness, what would it look like to think of, to, to know and encounter Jesus as the light of the world? So that's what we're going to do a little bit today. We're going to ask, what does it mean for Jesus to be the light of the world? What does it mean for Jesus to be the world's light, for Jesus to be my light uh, in my life? What does that mean? This is a light of mine. I'm going to let it show. All of these songs we, we hear and we know, but, but what does it actually mean 
for Jesus to be the light. So we're going to read together John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 14. Uh, from, I'm going to read from the NIV version. And, uh, and then I'm going to unpack a little bit of what that's about. Does that sound okay? Is that cool? Okay. So let, let's read together John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him yet. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Such powerful words, right? Really, really powerful. So this is where we're going to go today. I want to start um, by giving you a little bit of context for, for what we just read and the background, um, a little bit, some insights hopefully that help us to make sense of that. Then I want to kind of talk about the two sections to what we've just read, which is the first one is the word before the world. So this is kind of Jesus' prehistory as the word at the beginning, before creation. And then I want to talk about the word in the world, which is the history of the Son of God in the flesh. So the prehistory and the history and all of what this says about Jesus as the light and the life, the word as the light and the life. Okay, so some background and context for what we just, um, just read. So if I were to begin a story... Once upon a time, you would know exactly the kind of story I'm about to share, right? It conjures up all kinds of images, all kinds of memories and emotions. We just go to a particular place, and the reason for that is because it's a shared cultural knowledge. It's an encyclopedia of knowledge that we share uh, as a culture. We know what kind of story that is. It's the fairy tale. It's the mythic tale. It's the folk tale. Stories like Snow White or Rumpelstiltskin or, if you're a Star Wars fan, all nine Star Wars films start in a similar way. Or if I were to quote the first line of a Jane Austen novel uh, for you, I almost did this. Uh, Let me just read it. (laughs) It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Anyone know which book that's from? There we go. You just proved my point uh, for me. 
So we have these shared cultural understandings. We have the shared knowledge that we, we draw on that is, act as a kind of shortcut and shorthand for all sorts of things that we can immediately access as knowledge uh, together. Why am I telling you about Rumpelstiltskin? Why am I telling you about Jane Austen? Okay, here, here's the point. Any Jew reading John's letter, this, these opening words of this first chapter, would have immediately known what this first sentence was about, how it should end, and which story he is talking about. Of course, they would probably say, everyone knows this. It's a reference to the first day of creation. It's Genesis chapter 1. Everyone knows in the beginning. They would have known how this ended. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what they would have expected from those first few words that John writes. But John adds the unexpected. He draws on the shared tradition, creates an expectation of what's to come, and then twists it by saying, in the beginning was the word. Now, what, what is he doing? Why is he, is he doing that? Well, we know from Genesis chapter 1 that on day one, God creates formless matter and light. That's what happens on the first day. It happens by God's creative word. So we keep hearing, and God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. So this is creation by speech as command. God's word itself is creative and creates what he says as it is said. So have you ever noticed, I don't know if you've thought about this before, I actually hadn't until preparing for today, that in Genesis 1, this light that exists on day one comes into existence before the sun is created. Okay, so what is happening there? Hmm, interesting. Uh, I wasn't so sure until I, I thought about it a little bit more and read a little bit of what people think about this kind of thing. And it turns out that some rabbis who are commenting on this Genesis chapter 1 text and the light that's present on day one say that it's actually a reference to God's garment. It's a reference to his heavenly glory, that the light is actually shining out and emanating from God's very being itself. That before there's a sun, the source of light is God's own being. The light emanates from God into his creation that he's unfolding each time he speaks the word. So what John is doing as he starts with these words in the beginning is he's conjuring up that direct reference from the shared knowledge to this creation story where God creates and God's very being is the source of the light at the beginning of creation. So he's meditating on Genesis chapter 1 through the lens of Jesus. The light of God, of God's glory, shines out in the face of Jesus. And this is actually what Paul says in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4. He says that God who said, let light shine in darkness, has shown us his glory in the face, has given us his glory in the face of Jesus. So there's a connection here that's being made of, of light shining from God's own being to now God's light shining through the being of this word that was present at the beginning. Jesus is the word spoken at the beginning through which light and life come to be. So this is what John's trying to do. He's saying this word that was spoken by God, and he said that word, Jesus was that word at the beginning through whom God creates all things, through which light comes. 
So this is some powerful stuff. Um, this is the background that John is drawing on. And he wants to pull us in to think about how Jesus was there at the beginning, at the very beginning, um, and through whom God created life and light. So John, in his first 18 verses of this gospel, summarizes his entire gospel. Um, he wants us to know from the first beginning part what he's going to say uh, for the rest of it. Uh, so in these first few verses, he says, uh, he begins with the word before creation. He then moves on to the word's role in creation and some responses to that. And he concludes with the confession about Jesus' incarnation, his taking on flesh and his deity, his equality with God um, and God's being. So there's some background that hopefully starts to, to pull us in to, to what John um, is doing. I want to move on to thinking about this word that was there before uh, the world was created, the prehistory of Jesus. So we can clearly see in John's meditation on Genesis 1 that this word takes center stage. The word is the one that is referenced again and again and again throughout these opening uh, verses. And it's not a name for Jesus that is used in any other gospel. So there's many names that are used for Jesus in the Gospels, but none of them are the Word except for John's Gospel. So he's trying to communicate something very specific by doing this. Whereas the others start with Adam and Eve and trace the lineage of Jesus from that point, John goes further back to the very beginning of creation. He doesn't start with a, a lineage like the others do, but goes right back to the beginning why? To reveal the glory of Jesus who was there from before the beginning. This word specifically, this word there from the beginning specifically brings life and light. Life and light. So I want to look at those two um, together. It's not going to be a long talk, you'll be pleased to know. The words life. In him was life. Verse 4. See, life comes through this word. Life comes through. He is the reason for existence. The word that John uses for word in the Greek, so if you didn't know, the New Testament was written in Greek. And the word that he uses in Greek um, for that word, the word, is logos, is the word logos. It's where we get our English word logic from. Um, and, and he's drawing on a tradition by using this word that understands logos in a Greek philosophical tradition as the reason for existence, the reason for life. So the logos in, in this philosophical system is understood as the organizing principle for the universe. So this is a massive claim that John is using. He's saying that Jesus as the word, as the logos, is the very reason that life is and exists. In him was life. And through this word, through life that comes through him, we receive the life of God himself. So through him, God gives us his own quality of life, his own kind of life, which means there is no life outside of the life that comes from God. Life comes from God. It's not just an accident. It's not just a cosmic kind of connection of different things coming together. There's intent there. There's a personality and a mind behind the life that we have. 
Reality isn't impersonal, it's personal. There's a will, there's a decision, there's a being who dreams up and images and imagines the life that exists and we experience, and we have it through him. So Jesus is the reason for being, he is the life. Life of God comes through him, and eternal life is given as a gift by him. So this theme of life is traced throughout John's gospel and is always connected to Jesus and what he brings. Later on in John chapter 3, he'll say that uh, it's that famous verse, right, on our coffee cups or saved somewhere on our phone somewhere, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. A few chapters later in John's gospel, chapter 17, Jesus actually defines eternal life. He says eternal life is this, to know the one true God and Jesus Christ he has sent the life that comes through him, the eternal life that we are given as a gift, is to be in relationship with the God who created us in the beginning. That's what life is about. It's, there's a purpose to it. There's a direction to it. It's not just successive events that happen to us that we try to make sense of, but actually there's a direction, there's a meaning, there's a purpose, because God has come to give us life. So the word brings life. The word also brings light. His life brings light. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. I think what this is saying is that we can finally see. We can finally see. It's as if the lights have been switched on in a new way. The psalmists talk about this all the time. And one example is Psalm 36, verse 9. Uh, The psalmist writes, In your light do we see light. Or Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Or Jesus himself, a little bit later in John's gospel, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's powerful stuff that Jesus is claiming for himself. He's claiming that he is the one who helps us to see. He is the one who helps us to truly see, not just to look, but to see, to perceive, to understand, to have the light of life through him. That's really, really powerful. And just after making the statement in John's gospel in chapter 8, chapter 9 starts with the healing of a man born blind. And that is a direct demonstration that Jesus is doing um, of what he has just claimed for himself. He says, I'm the light of the world. And then there's a man born blind who physically can't see. Jesus heals this man so that he can see as a kind of physical demonstration of what he brings to us as the light of the world. What a promise. He is the light of the world. If we follow him, we will never walk in darkness. So what darkness are you or I carrying right now? What darkness do you or I feel like we're walking in at the moment? Yep, there's the physical darkness. We know about that. But the other stuff, what's going on? Do you feel like you're groping in the dark, lost in a land of darkness? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He can step into that space and dispel darkness that we are carrying. He can lead us through. He's the lamp to our path. That's quite an intimidating picture, actually. 
It's comforting, but it's intimidating because it means our control is gone. He is the light. We're not the light. He is the light. And he gives us just enough light for a few steps to be taken, but not to light up the whole landscape, not to show us every turn in the path, but to learn how to trust in him as the light who leads us step by step. So he comes into the darkness as the light and leads us step by step. This is a beautiful reality of what this word is that John is talking about, to think about this word who brings life and who brings light into our lives. So this is the word before the world. This is the word from the beginning, whose very being is the source of life and light. But what about the word in the world? This is where John kind of moves in his uh, structure as he writes this prologue to his gospel. He moves from this word before the world down into the word in the world. The one present at creation is the one who enters creation in human flesh. That, that's an astonishing thought. It's an astonishing thought that the God of, of all glory would choose to enter into the creation that he has made, um, not just um, as a glorious God that we would all kind of recognize and bow down to, and, but as a humble carpenter in a backwater town called Nazareth that no one thought anything good could come from. It's astonishing. The word became flesh. Literally, this word means he made his dwelling, literally means he tabernacled amongst us. The tabernacle was the, the, the place that held the presence of God in Israel's wilderness wanderings. Jesus becomes that tabernacle, that walking temple of God's presence in our midst. We don't have to go into a building or go through certain select officials to be able to mediate our relationship with God. We have direct, unmediated access through the person of Jesus himself. He becomes the tabernacle, the presence, the point at which we meet with God directly. God takes on flesh. God meets us. God meets us. I don't know if you've seen the movie Arrival. Anyone seen the movie Arrival? Yeah, absolutely love that movie. Um, apparently one of the top 10 movies of 2016. Uh, anyway, that's for, that's for free. Um, and uh, I, in watching this movie at the time, I was totally struck at, at the way it was done, the plot, the movement of the movie, etc. all very good. The basic plot is aliens land in the ship. And... Uh, and a scientist, a linguist, is brought to essentially try to bridge the gap of language between humans and the aliens. And uh, they try to develop an understanding of the language to be able to translate why these aliens are here. Are they a threat? Are they kind? What do they want? How do we understand? It shows how important language is as a vehicle of understanding, um, really. It's a, it's a beautiful, so many layers to the movie. But as I was thinking about our time today and thinking about Advent, I realized Advent literally means to come or to arrive. It means the arrival. And in this case, um, the people who, the aliens who arrived, demanded that the humans learn their language in order to make sense of why they were there. And I was thinking of the, the difference between that and what it means for God to arrive on planet Earth. That God comes, condescends to our level to speak our language. 
he comes in forms and idioms, speaking the language that we can understand so that we might be able to know him and his purposes. God meets us. God learns and speaks our language so that we can know him. It's not a ladder that we climb to get to God. God hangs on a cross to come to us. It's not works that we do to perform our way to get to God so that we're good enough and we can get there and say we've done it. It's grace, which means gift. It's the gift of God, relationship with himself. Charlie Mackesy, an amazing British uh, painter, artist who I just love, um, put it like this. Like Beethoven queuing up for a ticket to his own concert, or a great architect living in a slum built by a rival, God lived among us. God lived among us. It's the hardest thing to accept in our lives, and I'm finding this to be true as I get older, um, is that we loved, truly loved, that God actually loves us. And I think this is what it means for God to take on flesh at its core, that God loves the world. God loves us. God loves you. God loves me. And this Christmas, I, I really pray that this simple truth, but utterly transformative truth, would make its way from our head to our hearts, that we would know this Christmas time that the Word took on flesh, dwelling amongst us, tabernacling in our midst to bring us light, to bring us life. And the light that comes from him shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. No matter what darkness you're experiencing, what darkness I experience, which is very real in this world at this time, there is a light. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Has not overcome it. Why don't we just take a moment right now just to, to let God speak to us to let the light and the life of God come in. I'm just going to invite the worship team to come up slowly, but just let's just stay in a moment of stillness right now. We don't get a lot of these times, especially at this time in the year, just to be still. So I want to encourage you just to take a moment to consciously choose to be still right now. As I was praying, just stay in that space of eyes closed if that helps you to focus. As I was praying for today, I had a sense there are some here who are very aware of the darkness that they are living in or walking through. Just felt if you comfortable in this moment, just quietly in your own heart before God, just to name what that is. It could be relational, it could be personal, it could be an ongoing health situation, financial strain, whatever it is. Just to name that right now before God and to, and to say, Jesus, light of the world, would you shine in that darkness?
You don't have to have a ton of strength to do this. You don't even have to have a lot of faith to do this. Just a simple invitation to Jesus as the light of the world to come in. Jesus, thank you that we don't have to be afraid of darkness. For you are with us. You are the light of the world. And those who follow you will never walk in darkness. Darkness exists, it is present, but has never overcome the light of Jesus. So, Lord, I just declare your light in this place over all of us in this room, those watching online, that you would fill our gaze with your light, that in your light we would see light. And that at this Christmas time, Lord, I want to ask just for a simple awareness, even more than awareness, a belief in the fact of your loving us, that you have taken on flesh, and dwelt amongst us, not out of obligation. You didn't have to. You chose to. So that we could know you. That we could have eternal life, which is to know you. I'm going to sing a song or two in response, but If you need to sit, if you just want to be quiet and be still, enjoy. Take a moment. That's part of what these times are about together. But if you want to sing, if you want to declare truth, if you need just to pray out loud or say some things out loud, that's fine. We love to pray for people in this church as well. So as we sing, as the worship team leads us in a song or two, we're going to create space at the front over here uh, to pray with you. If there is any, anything you would like to have someone stand with you and pray for, that's what we're going to do. We're going to create space. If you've never responded to Jesus before, if you've never decided to follow him, respond to his grace, we'd love to chat with you. We'd love to pray with you as well. If that is you, you're so welcome. So we're going to sing. We're going to stay still. That's what you need. We're going to pray for a few more minutes. We have some time. So let's do that together. Let's respond. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.